Welcome back to At the Heart of Art podcast. I'm your host, Pam Yule. I met today's guest through my memberships in local art associations. I loved his 3D mixed media art, always enjoyed our conversations, but there's more to him than that. I noticed the many things he was doing for the art community. Let's find out more about all of that. Welcome to Jose Angel Hernandez. Hello. Thank you. Thank How are you, you today? I am doing fantastic. And uh, I'm really excited to be part of, of your podcast. I mean, right from the get-go, when I saw the title of the word heart, which is so meaningful of goodness and and, and understanding and and you know, it a word full of empathy. And then you add the word heart to it. Yeah. I mean, it's a wonderful <laughs> thing. So I truly, truly appreciate um, the opportunity and certainly what, what you do for the art community. Well, thank you. I'm excited to have you on and learn what you're doing for the art community. That's what drew you to me. So I want to make sure we get to all those things. Do you want to start out telling us a little bit about yourself and your personal life? Sure. Sure. I think uh, I'll just go with my um, short bio. Okay. <laughs> I was born in Puerto Rico. I'm 67 years old as of late last year, raised in the East Coast for the most part. But I've lived all over the United States, mostly with my corporate job. Hmm. I'm married for 48 years now. Wow. To a woman. Um, and I have one daughter and um, two grandkids. And most of my grandkids are... Oh, my grandkids, for most of their lives, they lived under my roof. Oh, wow. uh, I consider um, myself like going through different phases of art. Um, but a lot of this came from my corporate experience. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like the family part of it and the work prior to being an artist, um, from my perspective. Do you want to share what your corporate job was? So I, I worked in the automotive industry for 45 years. Wow. So I started in the retail side of the industry, working for car dealers, always in the parts and service area of a dealership. From there, I went to um, work for manufacturers and I actually worked for two major car manufacturer, and that was Nissan Motor Company, LTD, and American Honda Motor Company as well. Um, I moved up a little bit up, um, upon the, the ranks, and I made it to assistant manager taking care of Latin America and the Caribbean. Obviously, my language skills help in that because I'm basically fluent in English and Spanish. My third language is... Um, if I don't know the answer, I could BS as well. That's my third language. <laughs> <laughs> no, I but it <laughs> the automotive industry. I truly enjoy it, and I love the industry, and I love cars, and I consider myself a car person. Okay. But that's on me since I retired in 2019. Okay. Not too long yeah. ago. Okay. When did you begin your art journey? Have you always been an artist, or did it come about later in life? It's an interesting question, especially when you say, have you always been an artist? I think it was always in there. Yeah. <laughs> but it did not come out to right. the year 2000. Mm -hmm. 
Now, I'm sure you could remember um, the turn of the century, going from 1999 to the year 2000, all this negative energy was that was in the environment. Mm -hmm. made a 2K. It's kind of like computers couldn't comprehend, you know, a two and then followed by, by three zeros. And that got me thinking. Every year, um, I would go to Puerto Rico. And back in them days, well, my mom was alive and my pop was alive. But I always went to Christmas. I went to Puerto Rico for Christmas. But that year was totally different because that year, it was the turn of the century. It was Y2K. And it just got me reflecting on life. I really wasn't concerned about planes crashing and the economy taking a dump and, yeah. and all the negative energy. But it got me reflecting on my personal life. As a corporate instructor, which is what I did mostly in the later years in the industry, my job was to help people as a trainer. So I, I help them with people skills, selling skills, product knowledge, and all that good stuff. But I couldn't think, and excuse my language, I couldn't think of one damn thing that I had done for myself. Right. And I, at that moment, I'm going to start doing for me. Mm -hmm. I don't care if people like it. I don't care if people don't like it. But it's going to be about me. And that's when I started to brainstorm. I said, well... I used to draw when I was a kid. How about if I take up art? Jokingly, I call this, or not so jokingly, I call this my midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. Beauty is, over after a couple of years, that midlife crisis became a midlife journey. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when you start creating art, you know the first few years is all learning, mm -hmm. and you're quality art. But you're learning. Mm -hmm. So over time, I, I I never gave up. And um, here I am today. Here That's I am today. wonderful. Um, okay. What is it like trying to make a profit at your passion? Does it ever make it feel like a burden? You know, first, I, I have all kinds of philosophies. I have all kinds of strategies. So... I don't think about selling art. It's not in my mind mm -hmm. selling art. So my approach is to put my work on people's walls. Mm -hmm. And I think that way is if I'm creating a work of art and focusing, I'm going to sell it. I don't think I'm going to create a work of art that I could actually sell. Mm -hmm. But the mentality is I'm going to create a work of art to put on somebody's wall. Now I'm thinking of what I call, what is the carrot? What is, what do I need to incorporate into that work of art? So it connects with somebody enough for them to want it on their walls. Mm -hmm really about the process of creating art that speaks to individuals, obviously individuals with different desires, but I need to have that little element in the work of art that someone will catch and it speaks to them. And then hopefully I could put it on their walls. 
but I'm, well, right off the bat, I need to sell this for five hundred dollars. That's yeah. not my policy. And isn't and, it an honor? Isn't it an honor when someone wants your work on their walls? That's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the financial side. Yeah, you got materials, you expenses, you got to pay for all of that. But the fact is, the non-tangible is that feelings mm-hmm. that you took a blank canvas, and I call it my baby, before it was born, all the way up to is actually hanging on somebody's wall. There's a lot of pride. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good feelings, and that happened. Mm-hmm. I feel art, the process in itself, it all starts up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I massage that concept, that that theme in my mind sometimes for months before I actually create a work of art. Mm. In that process of, of massaging all this work, you know, I'm looking, okay, so so what's gonna be, you know, that 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 carrot that people are, are gonna love? Once I have that, then I create. But the fact is that that feeling is not, it doesn't reach full circle until somebody actually understands it and puts it on their walls. At least that's the way I like to think about creating art. Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay. Tell us about your workspace. Do you have a a studio? Is it at home, co-op? What are, what are some favorite things about that space and where is it? Well, the space is actually one of the bedrooms. As yeah. a matter of fact, it is the smallest bedroom in the house. Yeah. Um, Between you and I, it's a mess. <laughs> the good ones are. <laughs> the door is continuously closed. <laughs> mess. But I consider it my creative space. Mm-hmm. I don't really worry about having everything super organized. I want things to be handy. Mm-hmm. Such a mess that at times I got to walk in sideways. Mm-hmm. And it's just that I keep the inventory in there and all the materials. I work on 3D mixed media, so there's a lot of physical stuff in there in bins and boxes and and you know the the chains and, and the plastics and, and the wooden stuff all in one little room plus I got a closet it's called the L closet I call it the L closet because it's L shape okay so go in and then it's got a little section that kicks out um that's where I store um my art most of my work is 24 by 24. Right now, I already ran out of space mm-hmm. uh, from the storage part. And of course, it's not going to fit in the studio because there's no room for anything else in the studio. Yeah. But but the creative space where I feel comfortable, I own it. It's mine. And, and that's where, you know, things come to mind. That's where I actually execute the work. Although sometimes I work on my desk. Um, but yeah, I think space is really, really important. If you have to break down every time you finish working for that day and next day, take everything all out, Mm -hmm. it's time consuming. So having a space to create is really important. 
Yeah, that's essential to be able to just walk in and get to everything. Yes. Okay, do you have any rituals for your mindset or creativity practices? We oh, talked about this. There's so many, so many different things people do. I'm curious. Uh, you you got some good questions. <laughs> some of these questions dive into um my strategy, which I don't mind sharing. Yeah. But look, the only ritual I have is music. I mean, what is music if not another form of art? Absolutely. Performance, there's music, there's visual, there's dance and whatnot. But when I create, I like to play music. But I'm really, really specific. Mm -hmm. It may sound a little silly, but the music that I'll play, depending on the work of art that I'm working on, it needs to match the art. Like, for example, I did a series of uh, people dancing tango from Argentina. Well, guess what I was playing? Tango music. I've painted Frida Kahlo many, many times. When I'm painting Frida Kahlo, I always play the soundtrack from the movie Frida. I painted John Lennon, which is one of my favorites. Um, obviously, what am I playing? I'm playing John Lennon slash Beatles music. Yeah. I say it's silly because in my mind, it adds energy to the actual work of art. Oh, and it keeps me in rhythm, but more so, it's about the art, receiving that energy from sound, from music, while mm -hmm. it's being created. Yes. And that's the only one I, I really have, is just tying it back to another form of art. Yes. Wonderful. Okay, you have a very interesting style. How would you describe it to people that haven't seen it? So let me go back to the roots for a mm -hmm. second. In the year 2000, when I decided to take up art, obviously I went to little workshops here and there, but I'm basically a self-taught artist. I'm a people person. I think the most incredible creation on earth are people. Mm -hmm. Do I love, sure I love animals. Do I love plants? Sure I love plants. But I think the most powerful beings on earth are human beings mm -hmm. started as a figurative artist um but it went beyond just figurative art when i started what i created was complexities of life i'm a bit of a rebel sometimes and i don't mind addressing issues mm -hmm. i'm real careful with my politics but I'm very open with my social issues that I express. Mm -hmm. So as an artist, that gave me the opportunity. I had works called like Impossible Love of, of this conflict of two people not being able to be together because of society, because of social economic status, because you don't live in the right neighborhood. And you know, all that, I try... I use the canvas to tell those stories. Mm -hmm. It's it's a difficult 
um, work of art that only has a small segment um, of the collectors. So then I transition into and explore with other arts, which I'd like to say up front, if you're a younger artist, you need to explore. Mm-hmm. You need to discover. That process for me was creating new art, different art. In the year 2014, um, let me go back. In the year 2013, I was actually living in Texas, and um, I got relocated to Texas, and I, and I worked out of here, but I travel every week. My company decided to relocate me back to California, to Los Angeles, not by my choice. <laughs> the fact is that that broke up the family. Mm. I mean, long term, we were actually separated because my family decided, we're not going back to L.A. This is fine. I got to put some food on the table. So I'm going to have to go back to Los Angeles. Mm. That was in 2013. And I have some really interesting work of, of that era because I was working big canvases and really using those canvases to, to voice, I don't want to say anger, but certainly feelings. Mm-hmm. Then in the year 2014, as a result of Texas, because I used to travel, some road trips, some by air, I was traveling from, I lived in Flower Mound, from Flower Mound to San Antonio to do a workshop. And I took my time. I had plenty of time. You know, it's a four and a half hour drive, but I gave myself extra time. And I started stopping in in little antique shops off, you know, I-45 South. And in one of them, as I walk out, there's this rusted, corroded cowbell. That cowbell was in really bad condition, but it had beautiful colors and it had beautiful texture and it showed age. I mean, it was actually rotted from one side to the other. I asked the person, um, how much for the cowbell? He gave me like two bucks. I said, fine, I'll take it. I took that, that cowbell to California now it's 2014, and I said to myself, I'm going to do something with this cowbell. Whatever, what should I do with a cowbell? Well, what's more appropriate for a cowbell than paint a cow? I painted my first cow, and I added that physical cowbell, and I worked on board to the actual board. That's my first 3D mixed media work of art. Nice. That changed everything, Pam. That changed everything from my mission statement to my artist statement to my techniques to my new exploration, my new avenues. I went all over the place with this, but it all started with one cowbell. You just happened to cross. You were looking for it. Stepped on it, but I did buy the thing is that it served as an inspiration, but more so it opened up my mind to new works of art. Mm-hmm. 
all, over time, this has grown. Um, so I started back then with animals, and I call it a zoomorphic style. So I stand them up like my people's, my cows have shoulders like people. Oh, true. They're representative of people in a metaphorical way. For yeah. me, they are people because they each have their own theme. So they're their own purpose, their own message. Um, but it grew and it expanded. So then I moved on to doing some abstract portraits. Again, I could paint skin colors. I don't have a problem painting skin, skin colors because I've done that a lot. By the way, when I was in Honda, one way of learning to paint was we had our own little, they call it the intranet. So it was an inter internet, but it was internal only for company employees. And you could, and they had one, they call it the marketplace, where you could sell huge stuff and, and whatnot, whatever you want to get rid of. You put it in the marketplace, another associate, associate may buy it. Mm -hmm. Well, I posted, I'm going to paint your portrait for $25. I'm heard of. I mean, you got a good oil portrait these days. We're talking about, depending on the artist, obviously, mm -hmm. it could go thousand of dollars. I was doing it for $25, and it was right before Christmas. So I painted a lot of people which gave me the practice with skin colors. The funny thing, is, well, I don't know about funny, but the real thing is most of the people I painted were dead people because people wanted an oil portrait of a loved one that had passed. Okay. At that time, because I even had to paint, paint, you know, young people that unfortunately had a short life. But most of them were grandmothers and grandfathers for the most part. So I could paint skin colors, but my next movement was um, to paint abstract portraits. And the reason I paint abstract portraits is, is there one specific person? No, it's the skins are abstract colors. Mm -hmm. So I'm not specific race, for example. So, it's not anyone in specific, but on the other hand, it could be anyone. Yeah. So that's what I like about abstract portraits. Again, being faithful to my new style, which I call 3D mixed media. The fact is, in the art world, that's not called 3D mixed media. It's actually called assemblage. But I don't like that term assemblage because it sounds like something mass produced in a factory. Hmm. I call it 3D mixed media because it just sounds a whole lot nicer. <laughs> but it is. It's 3D and it's mixed media. Yeah. And, and the thing is that it kept growing and growing and telling different stories with the abstract portraits. Over time, the other thing that I did add was conceptual art. Um, I'm a great believer in having philosophies. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my conceptual art, it's really about a message. Mm -hmm. I have one, one conceptual art that I do is actually inspirational art. So I want to inspire people. So I include concepts like, um, like words 
that show value. Um, I also include games. So some of the games that I, I that I make artistically within conceptual art are games people could play while they're looking at the art. For example, I have a series. I started calling it a hundred words and I've sold a few of those. Now I changed the name. Now I call it wordology where there's a hundred words on a board and people play games. Hmm. How many 100 words do you know? Uh, okay. Use each one of these 100 words in a sentence. So I'm trying to make it interactive and playful, which takes me back to 2014. When I reinvent myself, I come up with a new mission and actually is my current mission since 2014. And my mission is to create art that's interactive, playful, meaningful, and most important, it needs to evoke conversation. Hmm. Some people may not like the conversations that I that I paint, but they're still conversations. You know, whatever your opinion is on certain issues, that's fine. Here's my message with this piece of work. And you could talk about this. You could analyze my brain. Why do I think that way? Usually it's pretty logical why. Um, but yeah, that was the beginning of what I'm doing today back in 2014. And I was, and I was still in, in Los Angeles. Then I retired in 2019. And that's why I'm in Texas again, mainly because my family's here. Um, yeah. And my daughter, now I rejoined the family and whatnot. We were separated for a few years. Oh, goodness. Uh, but yeah, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about your style. Yeah. Okay. So 3D makes me, and I basically do three things. Like I said, I do animals in a somorphic style, which mm -hmm. is kind of how I started this particular style. I do conceptual art and I do abstract portraits. It's interesting that there's a whole bunch of art calls out there. And I remember a whole bunch of groups. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to create a work of art that I cannot fit into my body of work. Yeah. So I'm not able to create a work of art where I cannot add a three-dimensional element. I may not even apply for that show. Right. Pam, I'm 67 years old. <laughs> I don't have to create art for just one show. Yeah. I, I want it to be available for other showings besides right. the art call. So but 3D. I, I think that I, I've run into that myself where I've made something for one show and then it just sits and it, yeah. it doesn't speak to people. So I think you're totally onto something to say that you've got to have your own idea and your own passion behind it to give it meaning, to make somebody want to have it and spark those conversations. I think that's the um, beauty of the art world is our conversations and emotions that are evoked from the different artworks of people. And, and you're absolutely right. And one of the things I did was um, I went into your, to um, um, what's that platform where they play music? Um, that Spotify. you have Spotify. I went through yeah. into my 
and, and I listen to a couple of your guest artists. Yeah. It seems we have that in common. Yes. If you gay, <laughs> it needs to come from in here. It does. But the beauty is that if you're consistent, now your art becomes recognizable. Right. I've had people tell me, I saw one of your works in the bathhouse mm. um, called Center. And I didn't even read the name, and I knew it was yours. Yeah. You know what? Because of the style. Right. So that consistency um, is good. Now, again, this could change. Who knows? Maybe in the year 2025, I I'm going to do, I don't know, electronic art or digital <laughs> art. But for now, this is what I do, and people recognize me for that. Yeah. That's great. Okay, do you have a favorite work of art that you've done? And if so, why? Um, They're all my babies. <laughs> yep. Here's what I could say. I'll go back to my three different um, series, and I'll pick one out for each one of them. So let's start with the obvious. Animals in a zoomorphic style. I paint all kinds of animals, although I only started with cows. Mm -hmm. I, I have painted probably a good 30 to 40 cows. Wow. Now, some of them are 12 by 12 because I only work two sizes. Some of them are 24 by 24. But cows, for me, represent... And they are symbolic of so many good things. Um, cows are humble animals. A bull may attack you, but a cow will not attack you. Right. A lawnmower will attack you, but a cow will not attack you. Also, they are symbolic of motherhood. Why? Because they have milk. For their calves, they care about their calves. And look, I'm a meat eater. <laughs> they give us so much. They do. Ooh, I mean, I hate to say this because I know there's groups out there that don't really like that, but it's a reality, right? That eat me. They and us. It, how expensive we've gotten. <laughs> Besides. <laughs> Crazy, there, there's your next your next idea. <laughs> Incorporate the dollar signs. <laughs> but if I had to pick one work of art from that that series, I wouldn't be fair if I don't pick two. Okay. That first cow that I painted had a yellow background and had a rusted, corroded cow that I have not been able to to ever find again. Hmm. It was showing what made it even more so. I put it on somebody's wall on the first show, really low. Wow. Uh, look, I'm not an expensive artist, but it was way low and it helped me pay for the space basically. I didn't make any money. Yeah. Um, somebody's wall. So that's that cow was special. Mm-hmm. That's special for me. And I painted a variation of these cows. I called them world cows. 
And when I'm doing like an art festival or I'm showing one of my world cows, I just ask the viewer one question. So I tell them, I titled this world cow. Why do you think I titled it world cow? And they start looking. Some people pick it up right away. Most people don't pick it up right away. So then I give them a hint. It's a black and white cow. I tell them, look at the white spots. And when they look at the white spot, immediately, immediately, they say, oh, there it is. I see the continents, North America, South America. Oh, wow. Africa's down here. Asia's on this side. And um, what's here? Australia's on this side. And then I'm Puerto Rican. And one of the ears has got the Caribbean islands. <laughs> That's one of my favorite, just That's because it's so representative of something that's important to me, which is Earth. You know, the, the continents, the different continents of different people that live in this Earth. So right. those are the two favorites. When it comes to conceptual art, I have a series that um, I, I call it, um, what is that I call it? Axiom. An axiom is a word that describes words that don't need a lot of explanation. So the words that I use are all values. I paint them in these circles inside my square, because I always work square, 24 by 24, and I add these words in there, and they're representative of either self, or values you see in other people. Hmm. I painted a lot of these. They're all different, um, different texture, different colors, different combination, and different techniques. Sometimes I burn letters on. Sometimes I stamp letters on. Sometimes I handwrite letters on. But they're all words of value that people connect with. Mm -hmm. And it's of axiom, axiom. Um, and it's been pretty successful because, you know, th there's collectors out there that, look, I don't criticize any art. I think all art is good. Mm -hmm. Um, of artists and we're all different and I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. And I, but when it comes to, to subjects, that's the subjects I like where somebody could put it up on their walls and actually have a conversation mm -hmm. about the words. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that's the the, the non-tangible, non-financial feeling you get when somebody puts your art on their walls. That's right. Then we have abstract portraits. Okay. Um, which the the one series, and I, again, I got different series. Mm -hmm. The one series that truly, truly speaks to me is a series called Ad Zoom. So it's spelled A-D-S-U-M. It's a Latin word. And it stands for, I'm here. I'm present. But it's in Latin. I do abstract portraits. And all the ones I've done have been females. But it's not about the abstract portraits. 
remember, 3D mixed media, I'm going to add three-dimensional elements. Yeah. So I use earrings to tell a message. I use the necklace to tell a message. For example, it's common for me to put on one of the ears, as a earring, a pencil. Hmm. I sometimes get this pencil from Ikea. They're great little. <laughs> Those are good pencils, yep. I, I paint them and I write words like cum, cum laude. So and they represent education. They represent knowledge. On the other ear, I, I get something that looks like a teardrop because it all that side represents empathy, mm. it, suffering, because we all do a little bit of suffering. And that's mm. a fact. Who you are, we all do a little bit of suffering. True. Then you, for the necklace, usually it's a heart, which for me, and we started talking about hearts already, it yeah. represents love, compassion. Yeah. Then here's where it gets really interesting. I put another chain with thicker plastic chain that I buy in Home Depot and I give that work weapons. Oh. So I give cannonball, I'll give her a cannonball or those karate trunks. Yeah, those. So the whole concept, when you put all this together, and I stamped the word assume. When you look at the whole concept, I'm showing a woman that is powerful. And the reason she is powerful, and then my collectors that buy these, they fall in love with the concept. Mm -hmm. Woman that has knowledge, that is wise. It also shows a woman that has a good heart, the empathy, a woman that has earned her place, sometimes through suffering. Mm -hmm. Woman that includes love, in her life, because that's probably the one thing that's going to make you happier than anything else. Mm -hmm. Just in case you mess with me, I got some weapons and I'll kick your ass. You, know? <laughs> you, cover, you cover the full gamut. The, the thing is, when you ask me what are my favorites, my favorites are going to be the ones that have the strongest message. Because I've been being vocal with my art. I don't mind if my art makes strong statements, because that's who I am. So always my favorite is when, when I truly, truly say, I did it with this one. Mm -hmm. I, my mission with this one. And again, it needs to be a powerful message. Look, I'm a self-taught artist. Don't look for me for fancy techniques, you know, because that's not me. Yeah. You know, don't, I mean, some people don't even call my work fine art. I don't care. I call it art. Yeah. Is it fine? That's subject to different definitions. Yeah. But all, I'm more about the statements, mm -hmm. voice of my work. So my favorites are always going to be the strongest voice. Yeah. And I have to say, I think that's a brave thing because this is one of the things I'm trying to learn from other artists on this podcast is how to, um, have that voice and not be afraid of upsetting anyone with your opinions. So my hat's off to you portraying your message and your opinions. Um, it's, it's courageous to me. 
You know, now, now that you mention that, Pam, um, I tend to be really vocal, but I stand by what I say. Yeah. You complain from somebody, hey, he's using the word um, kick ass, and, and it, I don't care. That's how I talk. You know, <laughs> that's who I am. So I don't mind putting myself out there because yeah. I'm going my position my way because I strongly, I strong, I have strong feelings about stuff. Yeah. That's great. Okay. This is what started this podcast is this question. Do you ever get stuck or unmotivated and how do you handle it? Do you push through? Do you take a break? Assuming you've been through that. I could understand why that question started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Million dollar question. Mm-hmm. So we all go through it. Yeah. Um, Look, I could mention a lot of things to do, exercises and whatnot. I'm a corporate instructor. We dealt with stress management in a work environment. Then I used to teach all kinds of techniques and self-talk and all this kind of stuff. I'm not even going to say that. Here's what I'm going to say. We live in a place called Earth. Mm-hmm. And in Earth, shit happens. Yep. That discourages you, dismotivates you, gets you mad. It changes your attitude. And sometimes long-term changes you, you know, who you are. Mm-hmm. You're never, ever going to avoid that. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I try really, really, really hard to do, because, yeah, I, some things do upset me. Um, usually it's related to people, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. <laughs> related. Uh, Cows don't get me mad. <laughs> People sometimes will get me mad. But the one thing I put in super extra effort to have that feeling inside of me for the shortest amount of time as possible. So, yeah, I do get upset. I'm a human being. But I make it a point to make that Short term. Mm-hmm. How do I make it short term? Every time it pops in my mind, I say, okay, what else can I think about besides this? Because mm-hmm. it's going to help me. At the end of the day, it's not going to help you. So it's really about self managing yourself. Mm-hmm. Sure, you could get some professional help. There's some psychologists and there's even psychiatrists for some people. But I'm not talking about that. I'm I'm talking about people helping themselves yes. of ways to get out of that mode and get back on track. Mm-hmm. Um, music. If you like getting high, getting high takes it away from you as well. <laughs> Use it. Um, but the point is, just get it. Get it out of the system mm-hmm. so you 
on track. And I know it's probably not the best answer, but I'm able to do that, to let things bother me short term. Mm. And Yeah. Okay. We talked about this a little bit, but what makes you feel successful? I mean, clearly, clearly what makes me feel successful is when somebody understands my work. Yeah. Connects with that work. Puts it on their walls. And doesn't even have to be there. I mean, I do a lot of art shows. People won't, won't buy the work of art, but they'll comment on that. Mm -hmm. That's all for the heart. That's all good stuff. Yes. So I think the most important thing for me is when I accomplish what I tried to accomplish with a work of art. So just to go back to one of the examples, um, somebody likes my cow and they tell me, I was raised in a farm. And we had a cow that was black and white. And her name was Susie or whatever, whatever. You know, that is so meaningful. Mm -hmm. That art, probably not. When people tell you, you know, that work of art makes me feel empowered. Mm -hmm. um, you know what? That work of art um, makes me think about my son or my daughter. Well, that right there is success. Absolutely. Because the work of art accomplished what it meant to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Somebody. Connect with somebody. Yeah. Okay. Jose, what artists do you look up to? Do you have favorites from the past or the present or both? That's a really good question. Remember, I'm self-taught. Yes. So when you are not self-taught and you get some kind of degree in art, university degree in art, mm -hmm. and when I went to high school, we didn't really talk much about art other than drawing something. Um, so there's a lot more exposure um, today in school. And certainly if you go to college and study fine arts or whatever, so you get to know all these names, all these famous artists for whatever reason. I'm an art collector. So to answer that question, it's got to relate to me. Mm -hmm. And I could say I love Frida Kahlo because I do love Frida Kahlo. Mm -hmm. How many original pieces of, of Frida Kahlo in my house? I got a copy that I bought one time I went to Mexico. Um, so that that's... Because I like her story, it's really meaningful. It's really meaningful. But the fact is that when I pick artists that inspire me are mostly living artists. And you know what the beauty is, Pam? What's that? I personally. So as an collector, I have collected art from Veronica Medeiros. 
I, every time I go out the back door and come inside the house again, I look at the piece. It's hanging on my walls. Yeah. Um, I got word from Buck. Buck's got a complicated last name, Buck Scherter, something like that, which I truly, truly love his style, love his work. I have work from a, a, a Louisville artist, and I don't have a problem saying this because he's my friend. And um, his name is um, Charles McDowell. Charles is a person with um, some mental challenges. He's bi bipolar. He is brilliant mm. artist. And, and I know this is only voice, but that work right there is Charles. Oh, nice. You so can press it. Send me a picture of it. We'll post it with the show notes. I so will. Give credit. Well, yeah. I will. Um, I have works from Steven Rodriguez. Um, and we are in the same community. I'm not going to mention any names because you may know who I'm talking about. Yeah. But still a few more. Yeah. Uh, within, I'll give you a hint, within McKinney. Yeah. That I got to get me a word. Specific <laughs> her. Yes. Or, <laughs> yes. We're, we're in the same communities. You can That's go right. Because cause they're true friends and they're wonderful artists. So who inspires me? I mean, I'll be honest. It's mostly um, figurative or work that has a deeper meaning mm -hmm. uh, from a people point of view, from, from a situation point of view, from, from a dynamic point of view. Um, those are the two artists that truly, truly inspire me. Right. Maybe because of that connection. I that, think that so. Having conversations with them. I think so. Um, I, also have started collecting art and so much of it is from artists that I've met. And I think it's what you hit on. It's the story behind the piece. And, you know, someone will come over and I'm telling about each piece and the person that's behind it and the story of the, of the artwork, you know? Um, so it's, it's on so many levels, but it all comes back to the meaning, you know? Yeah, but and then when we talk about the story, there's actually two stories. You know, mm -hmm. the story behind the work, but the day that that you, let's say you bought that work, that in itself is another story. Yes. You know, and it was at this market, and, and it was a rainy day, and and blah blah blah. That's the say that that's the the byproduct of the original story, which is the artwork. That's right. a beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. And that's the kind of thing that when somebody visits you and you talk about that work of art and you have a conversation, those mm -hmm. are the things that come up. That is really meaningful. It is. That is truly meaningful. Um, it's a big difference between original art and commercial art you buy in a in a big box store, not to mention. Yeah. Uh, right. And, there's beautiful, yeah, beautiful art out there, but it doesn't have the story, the connection. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm price sensitive as well. Between yeah. you and I, I um I trade art too. Yes, that's a good idea. I've heard that before from other artists. That's brilliant. Um, I want to veer off of our questions and just ask you to elaborate a little bit. I was so impressed and, and bummed at the same time that I had a conflict and couldn't go to, um, I don't know what to call it, the Frida day that you did where you t tell about what all you did because I just thought that was so cool. So I, I think as an artist, we never stop growing. Um, so one of the ways that I have grown is really I have expanded. Um, and this started a couple of years ago. And um, I like being around artists. I'm very super organized. Corporate America brainwashed me to be that way. And I'm not complaining because I'm happy being the way I am. Right. Even me, I'm, I'm going to say, and I'm not trying to show off because I'm not that kind of person, but I feel I have a skill set mm -hmm. that helps me with that. So I got involved in creating, I call them multi-arts events that include, obviously, visual arts but combined with performance art, with dance, with poetry, with interactive art that people get involved. So I've done several of these. The one specific that you mentioned is, it was a package that I'm really, really grateful for the city of Louisville to giving me the opportunity and give me the venue to do this. So that particular activity, because it's more than just the art show, right. um, I did a workshop. And we go back to Frida, because I love Frida. <laughs> so we painted Frida, and I picked Frida because she's very popular. Um, and I had a reason why I picked Frida. is mainly because what I call the Frida effect. Mm -hmm. So I the workshop and one of my requirements when I do a workshop is you need to give me the opportunity to show the students work publicly mm -hmm. and Woodsville Grand Theater there's a, this shelf that you could put small art in there so I put every single one of the students uh, art into there so that was the first event I know the people really well and they said Jose so and they moved my dates around why don't you do this in September because September is Hispanic Heritage Month. Frida is Mexican. So mm -hmm. it worked perfect. I said, cool. But then let me add some details to that. And I requested, I want to do a film screen, screening of the movie Frida. Mm -hmm. Invite all the artists, make it a public event so everybody gets in for free. We can use the Black Box Theater, and that'll be one of the events. The other event that I created was an art talk. And I called the work, or, or the art talk, I called it the Frida Effect. So the reason I called it the Frida Effect is Frida is a Mexican woman. She is basically known worldwide. Mm -hmm. About Hispanic Heritage Month, 
I'm looking for unity. So the way I found unity is people that love Frida, love Frida for who she is, for what she did and her suffering, they recognize and they accept her. Mm -hmm. It could be a person in Africa. It could be a person in China. It could be a person in Russia, but they recognize her and they accept her for who she are. So I take this art talk and, and I kind of like created it all around that concept. But what's more important is, it really wasn't about Frida. It was Frida in itself. I used Frida as my mechanism to address social issues. Hmm. Because she was an icon in many, many different levels. Yes. Back then, when she was alive, there was no such thing as BQTK, you know, the the, the queer community. Right. They were called. So she represents that. She also represents a woman of suffering. Mm -hmm. She actually lived for a time in the United States and had her issues in the United States. So what I did was I took works of art and I asked the artist to evaluate it artistically, but they needed to answer one question. How does this work of art that's probably created in the 30s or the 40s or maybe even the 20s if it's an early, early work, and how does that relate to today? Mm. And it was super interesting because my panel included a really good friend, and she's queer, and we know that. She knows that. I had a, a man artist, um, really, really good artist, and my third person wasn't even an artist. She was a school teacher, mm. and um, she was uh, an art teacher, an art school teacher. And what I got out of it was we were that Frida, Frida Kahlo was ahead of her time. Mm -hmm. So subjects that she was painting, we see today. I mean, there's a painting of the Henry Ford factory that she created, and it has smoke chimneys polluting the air. Mm. She, air pollution today that's happening today. Today's a really huge topic. Right. And so it, it, it was, it was, I wanted it to be educational and it needed to be about the community. But when I closed the art talk, I clearly made the point that this really wasn't about Frida. It was about the Frida effect. In other words, you as an individual becoming, accepting yourself and becoming representative and accepted in a two-way street. Start mm -hmm. and accepting people that are different from you, just like you want them to recognize you and accept you. And that's really, that was the closing. That's where I put it all together. And it was super, super hardworking because <laughs> it took me a while to coordinate everything. But I'm super satisfied with the result. Again, 
the screening, the workshop, and the art talk. It was that's, great. That's beautiful. I, I wish so much I went. So I'm going to be watching you for the next opportunity for something like that. Okay. Um, how do you promote your art? Do you have online presence? Do you do art shows, favorite art shows each year? So as far as promotion, I'm mostly Instagram. Um, but everything I do on Instagram carries over. But the thing is, Pam, I don't necessarily promote myself. Mm -hmm. I notice that to promote other artists, to promote these shows and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Where do I really connect with? I'm, remember, I don't like using the word selling and all that. But where I connect with buyers is in art festivals. Mm -hmm. um, these art festivals, you're in a space that is 10 feet by 10 feet, mm -hmm. not covered if you're indoors. The people that walk into that space, they want to have a conversation. Yes. And we conversations. And it's more like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. You know, it's not the same conversation you could have in a gallery. Because in a gallery, you know, there's other, you know, 25 other people and whatnot. When in an art festival, you're in this little space, 10 by 10, talking art with an individual. Much more and intimate. I think that is my favorite um, environment. Environment. Do I do group shows? Sure, I do group shows. Do I do solo shows? Sure, I do no, solo shows. Do I do multi-art? Multi activities of course i do all of that but it really depends on the artist what works for me is the art festival by the way one of my favorite is mckinney art in bloom mm -hmm. for me it's a successful show and, and mckinney's pretty artsy mm -hmm. uh, that's like about mckinney you know um can i tell you a little story about mckinney oh please so like i said i, I moved to Texas in 2019. And when I had, and I think it was probably 2020, I don't know when the dates, I don't keep track of dates, but I'm doing my first Art in Bloom. It wasn't 2020 because it was canceled. It was the following year. Okay. And they were kind enough to return the money when other groups did not return my money. But oh. I just get that out there. Um, so when I do my first show, the first thing I noticed, these shows run till 10 o'clock at night. Yes. <laughs> I turn into a pumpkin at nine. So I've wondered about that. <laughs> in Los Angeles, they're done at 6 p.m. Yeah. You know, they don't run till 10 o'clock. But here I am. It's past six o'clock. And I'm looking at the people. It blew my mind. The people from McKinney. Because they got all nice dressed up, ladies with their gowns, men with their jackets on, going into restaurants. I'm not used to seeing that in L.A. You're doing it. <laughs> and it's summertime and people have shorts on and, and you know, sweatsuits on and they're jogging and walking dogs and blah, blah, blah. And that totally blew my mind. Now I understand why I got to be here till 10 o'clock. <laughs> Go out to the restaurants at McKinney, you know, later in the evening, you know, six, seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Uh, my other favorite. Downtown, downtown like is hopping in the evening. 
Yeah, and I, and I love downtown. I, I love Deep Ellum. Mm -hmm. uh, Deep Ellum, I, I have a good audience for my style. You know, not not every style works in every market, right. in every. But downtown works for me quite well as well. And um, the other one that I truly, truly um, enjoy doing is Grapevine. Hmm. Grapevine, um, they do two festivals. One is a beer festival and one is a wine festival. Okay. And it's a really nice show. Um, and, you know, you got the collectors coming in. Mm -hmm. You got the um, and you got the traffic. There's always a lot of traffic, and, and it has become one of my top shows as well. Um, I don't know if that answered the question. But besides that, let, let me just add this, Pam, because I think it's important. Um, when we talk about being an artist, um, I think it's important that every artist explores different venues, we have a whole bunch, well, we have a few art associations, um, and I'm going to call it the North Dallas area, that I'm a member of, and I think they give you a lot of opportunities with group shows. Mm -hmm. Certainly, um, they give you other opportunities like workshops and, and meetings and, and all kinds of activity. I think that is so important. Mm -hmm. We talk about an artist community. These organizations, for the most part, are nonprofit. Right. So they have a mission to support the art community. Mm -hmm. I truly, truly appreciate all that they do. Yeah. And I cannot end this without mentioning VALA, Visual Arts League of Allen, which is beautiful people. Mm -hmm. Visual Art Guild of Frisco, mm -hmm. another great group of people. And when I say great group of people, besides the organizers, which I love, it's the other artists that yeah. are all members. I truly, truly appreciate the Visual Arts League of Louisville and the city of Louisville for all they've done for me. I truly appreciate GAP. So that's um, Grapevine Art Project. And okay. that's the also two shows that I mentioned a minute ago. How about Plano? Plano Art Association. We're talking about all these, all these are in the neighborhood. Great people, great opportunities. And the last one that I'm a member of is the Richardson Civic Art Society. Okay. Those groups help us. Yeah. They're community and it's important that not only the artists support these groups, but, you know, the patrons, you right. know, have patrons that actually have interest in, in knowing local artists and seeing the exhibitions. Yeah, those are amazing groups. I'm, I'm in some of those, too. That's where I met you. And uh, I, I agree. They do so much for us with opportunities of all kinds to learn and show our work. Um, okay. You're very humble, but I want to spend some time talking about some of the awards that you've won lately. As I said, they're about your heart more than art. And I imagine that's very fulfilling for you. I am very, very thankful 
for that recognition. And you're absolutely right. So when you get these types of awards, and basically it's been two. So the Visual Arts Guild of Frisco named me their inspirational artist for 2023. I truly, truly appreciate that. And it was non-technical. They were not looking at my artwork. They were, they, were, they were looking at some of the things that I do within the community. Well, they do look at the artwork, of course. Yeah. Um, so I'm very, very grateful for them um, for giving me that title. Truly appreciate it. That's the kind of stuff that lives forever. Mm -hmm. Art show. Best of show. Here's $500. You know what you're going to do with those $500? You're going to spend them. Mm -hmm. You win an award like that. Inspirational Artist 2023. You know what you do with that? You put it up on the shelf. Yeah. And it lives forever. Yep. Versus $500 you're going to spend. Do you see where I'm going with I, this? I agree. I agree. And the other one was... um. I don't know if they gave it to me because of my middle name. <laughs> I think it that's was, just a coincidence. Pure coincidence. Um, it's the Angel Award. And that the merits are purely volunteer work. Wow. Um, and that was Louisville, right? Yeah, they had the city of Louisville, and they do it every year. And there's like 20 different nonprofits that fall under that umbrella of the Louisville Art um, the Louisville Art I forget the third word and every year they could name one angel for their organization hmm. organization that recognized me was the Louisville Grand Theater hmm. which is where my multi arts events which I've done a several for them and they truly um I want to say they appreciate my effort enough that they gave their very first angel award to me. Wow. And, and again, that's the kind of stuff that it has no value. Pam, this has no value. Yeah. <laughs> that little angel is sitting right there looking at me and it's going to be there for the rest of my time. Absolutely. And hopefully I'll pass it on to one of my grandkids as well. But but it's something that, that is really, really, really meaningful. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that you decide. Right. It is that someone else decided. And, you know, I can't say, I'm going to win or I'm going to try. No. no. It, it's kind of stuff that just happens. Right. And that's when it does happen. Yeah, someone has to see that in you. That's nothing that you can do. But it's a testament to what you've been doing for the art community, and I just love it. Um, what's in store for you for 2024? Well, interesting question. I, I, I always try to, um, I think about this a lot. Um, and um, when I think about it a lot, it gives me a lot of sad moments and a lot of happy moments when I'm looking at, at the year that's about to end. But I always think, okay, so what's next in the next year? So here's what I want to do. I want to do more art curating. And my first show of the year is called Innermost Characters. So I'm combining two neo-expressionist artists that do portraits 
not in a traditional way. So it's more like neo-expressionist. So eyes are all twisted. All it's, it's beautiful. The combination of these two, the way they play off each other, that show is going to be hosted at the AM Art Gallery in Louisville. And it's actually inside the Music City Mall. So that'll be the first show I'm curating this year. I plan to curate more. I'm not going to advance any information on the other three I have in mind, but keep in mind I help other artists. So they're not going to be my art. There's going to be somebody else's art. But I'm really careful. It needs to talk to me. The body of work needs to talk to me. It needs to communicate something. So I already have three more in mind. So that's the first one. February 3rd, Saturday, from 5 to, um, to 3. The, the gallery is empty right now. You know why? Because they had another artist in there that's a good friend of yours. <laughs> Danielle? No, Danielle Jones. Yes. Solo there. She just removed the art today. So I'm coming in tomorrow with my two artists, which is Veronica Medeiro and Alfredo Santesteban, a.k.a. Al Sante. So February 3rd, 2 to 5, Music City Mall in the city of, of Louisville. Okay. So more of that. And the other thing that I'm planning on doing for this year, which I've done a little bit already, but not that much, I'm going to do a little bit more writing. So my style of writing is not novels, is what they call free verse poetry. They're all going to have some really strong messages. And I already did the first one for a work of art that I created. It's a manifesto work of art against the killing of, of innocent kids in war zones. Wow. Um, won an award. That, that piece won an award in Louisville as well. Um, but I want to add that element to my work of, you know, the spoken words and the artwork. So I'll be doing more of that um, this year in 2024. So thanks for asking. I appreciate wow. that. Wow. Very creative. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I lost my place. Um, I, I think I have in my notes. Was that the the cry for peace? Yes. That you were talking about? Okay. And that's on your Instagram, isn't it? I think I may have even shared that in your um, post that I did today that says our next guest. I think that may be in there so people can look at that. Um, did you have any closing comments you wanted to make before we finish up? I mean, basically, I want to show my love, my appreciation to you for not only having me, but at large, what you're trying to do for the artist community. Um, we could definitely use more people like you in the world to, to really enhance the arts, which for me is, is a means of communication. You know, whether you're dancing or you're communicating something. And, you know, events like this help get messages out there. And I truly appreciate Oh, absolutely. I learned so much from you today. So thank you for being my guest. Pleasure. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today. Don't forget to go to the Instagram or Facebook for at the heart of art podcast to see pictures of what we talked about today. 
links to Jose and his work. You'd be helping us if you follow our accounts and continue to spread the word. Let us know what spoke to you this episode on our social media. We love your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now go do something creative today.